Welcome to another episode of Ask a Jew, where a secular, sinful Israeli, that is me, speaks to her religious, pious, holy friend. We are the the Miami Girls Choir. Um, <laughs> if, if you know, you know. Um, if you're on TikTok, I guess you know. Um, hi, Leah. You know, hi. it is the high holy days. And you know what the best way to honor God is during this what? new year? It's Ow. to like and subscribe to our show. That is true. Uh, because I do think that's what God would want. He does um, want that. For the high hol- holidays. You don't need to give anybody a gift. Uh, you just need to <laughs> go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to Ask a Jew, give us a uh, five-star review, and leave a comment if you can. I know it's annoying that we have to ask this all the time. But A, you you people don't learn. <laughs> so we have to repeat ourselves. And B, it, it helps us um, grow right. and other people to find us. And you should also sign up to our Substack. Shall shall you not? That's true. And I'm going to share something really interesting because one of my friends gave a really good sermon on uh, Rosh Hashanah, and he wrote it out. And so I'm going to share it. It was really, really interesting, deep and meaningful. So it's worth it. Subscribe to our Substack. Deep and meaningful is is our brand. Uh, it's <laughs> Substack dot com. Uh, it's just a newsletter. I, I, people are like, what's a Substack? It's just a fancy way to say newsletter. Um, and we don't send a lot of stuff. So um, unless you're an anti-Semite, um, sign up to our Substack. So now that we got that out of the way. Um, are you still watching Miami Boys Choir videos? I I am. Um, I'm not quite getting the the excitement, but I'm happy for them. Um, I saw a twit. I saw a video on Twitter of it, like somebody taking a f- a video of their radio in their car, and they were playing it on like the hit station. It's um, so weird to me that like people are singing their songs and playing their videos. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know what funny. we're talking about, it's like I think we spoke about it last episode too. Yeah, it's like a. A, a choir of boys in the 90s or 80s who were like all 12 and all wearing like shiny <laughs> shirts and ties and giant ass yarmulkes and they sing like like Jewish songs and for some and they're very cute um but for some reason it just like went completely viral on TikTok and at it's first they funny. thought they were mocking them <laughs> but no, then but people really seem to like it people like it cuz it's very wholesome right it is wholesome it, it is wholesome. And then a few of them have like reappeared and they're all like doctors and lawyers now. <laughs> but a few of them still sing. So, so great. Uh, it's just it. my whole, all my friends, like my whole peer group is just loving this whole thing. Cause yeah. we grew up with the Miami Boys Choir. We knew all, all yeah. the songs, all the dances, all the names of the boys, you know. Do you and, think uh, so just, we should write an op ed about how it's, um, it, it's no, how it's condescending and it's like cultural oh. appropriation to like it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's cultural appropriation to like but jews are the opposite boys. jews are like oh you like us like thank you so <laughs> we're much so, we're so happy <laughs> thank you for thank not you so hating us for liking us yeah. <laughs> please take our things just, oh my just god it's so keep true liking us um but it is I uh we are just before yom kippur um i hope hope to release this before yom kippur um which is the day of atonement so actually Haile, i have something i want to say to you um you know, oh, this good. Is I've been day, waiting for this. A day where we think about our sins and everything that happened uh, throughout the year and all, all the people that we've hurt. And um, I just wanted to ask if, if you have anything to say to me. Oh, I'm waiting for you to say it to me. <laughs> I, I've been waiting for this apology for a while. Um, I I apologize for all the time I've I've uh, I swear on this podcast when I know your parents are listening. <laughs> That's more of an apology to your parents. Um, oh, my God. I, I apologize to you for, I don't know, all the shit I brought into your life. <laughs> I apologize for, for yelling at you when you don't answer my text messages yes, about yes. what time we're recording. That's um, if, true. If, if, you meet, if you meet me one day, uh, dear dear listener, um, I will show you my Kyle and my text uh, <laughs> stream, and it looks like like a guy like he's just not that into you it's just me constantly texting and sending her things and being oh like God. when are we recording when are we and and then like being like hi alea exclamation point exclamation point exclamation I'm point so bad at responding to things and that's something i was going to talk to you about later in the episode mm-hmm. um because 
I really want to try to be better at it. You're clearly not anxious enough because if you're an anxious person like me, you would be worried that people are are waiting to hear from you. I know. Well, I do get anxious. You need more anxiety. Complains about it to me and I know that it's annoying and obnoxious. I know. It's really hard. I just... I don't know why I'm so bad at it. I have so many things coming at me all day. Like, I just, and a lot of times I'm driving, so I just like say oh, I'll answer later. Then I forget. I don't know. As long I'm as not, you don't think less of me for continuing to pursue you, that's all I want. And is people to just constantly pursue me and send me like eighty we're a good match. a day. I know we're, we're a good match. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think whatever. We'll talk about it later. But I really do want to have someone on the podcast to like discuss this with because I feel like I discuss need help. What? You you not answering messages? No, I need. Yeah, like I need a system in place. I feel like it's a habit situation. Like I need to, I need a better habit system. I, I have a friend who has uh, a, um, an AI like personal assistant, which oh, is the most terrifying thing I can think of. But it like reads your emails for you and it can be like, do you want me to respond to this email? And then it will respond like, can you meet at 6 p.m.? Um, <laughs> it, it, it sounds absolutely terrifying to me. I don't know. I would I be need, like a real person like that. I need that something. I need a system in place because I just, I don't know. I know some people say like they start their day off every day, like for a half hour, just answering emails and then end their day answering emails. So I say, okay, that's what I'm going to start doing. Like, I'm going to spend the first half hour of work and the last half hour just responding. And it just never happens. I don't know. I, I can't do the same thing two days in a row. What is wrong with me? I, I can't. I, I wish I, I could. I just don't really answer emails. And then people will be like, oh, yeah, she's not very good with emails. I've heard that before. Yeah, um, but I'm like that with every single excuse. communication yeah. form. And I need yeah. to do better. What, do you, what are your excuses when you don't respond to somebody? At this point, I just say, like, I'm sorry, I forgot. Like, I didn't care enough to answer you. And and now I remember. No, because it's really about forgetting. It's not about not caring. I do care. When you ask me what time we should record, I do care deeply about it. I just, it's a matter of, like, distraction. And I don't know, like, it's it's just not healthy. Like, it's. Can I say something terrible? What? Can I say something terrible on the show in which we talk about terrible things? Um, <laughs> I'll use excuses sometimes, like something going on in Israel. Um, <laughs> oh, there was a terrorist attack, so you can't answer email. When I was at NYPD, there was like, I'd be like, yeah, we had a shooting. I'm sure you heard about on the news. That's why I couldn't All come right, to your, your son's birthday party. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start using that. Yeah. You should, you should. I'm just, I'm, uh, there was a, I was listening to it. <laughs> There's an Israeli radio show I listen to every morning. Yeah. And uh, one time a woman called in and she was saying that um, her, her cleaning lady uh, uh, broke something and the oh, cleaning yeah. lady, it was from Ukraine and she blamed it on like what's going on in Ukraine. <laughs> the woman didn't know if she should be mad or not. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty that's good. That's so, like, so funny. Sorry, I'm I know. so distracted with my war-torn country. No, but I could tell you one thing. Like, I don't know if you feel this way, but in general, when I have to make excuses, like whether it's for my kids or for myself, like I have been so brainwashed about the concept of eye and hara, like evil eye, mm-hmm. that like I would never use sickness as an excuse. Oh, like really? sometimes I just want to say like, oh, I didn't bring my son to school today because he has a headache. Not, oh, mm-hmm. he didn't want to go to school because he wanted to watch the special Monday night football game that's actually Monday morning in California because <laughs> they're playing it in London. You know what I mean? But yeah, like I've yeah. just been so trained not to use a bad reason for something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. That's why, like, that's why I think I'm single because I've, for, for and I've talked to my girlfriends about this, is like for every man that I've met, that I wasn't interested in it, that I lied and said, like, I'm married or have a boyfriend. <laughs> I think that's my, that's my, you I know. yourself an I and Hara. Yeah. An evil eye. For I sure. know. You jinxed, sure. your, jinxed yourself. Either that or I sat at the corner of the table. Yeah. Which is also You thing, don't get right? married for seven years if you sit at the yeah. corner of the table. Yeah. I yeah. Know. I don't know when the last time I, maybe it was seven years ago. Maybe I'm, maybe my time is up. <laughs> uh. <laughs> do you believe in, uh, do you believe in that stuff? Are you superstitious? It's like I don't, but also I don't want to fuck with it. <laughs> you know, know what I mean? Just in case right. it's true. That's right. Like, that's right. Yeah. Like Ned Flanders says, you know, he says, I, I, I even kept kosher just to be on the safe side or something like that. <laughs> Ned Flanders, uh, the great philosopher. He is a great philosopher. A wonderful religious character, too. 
Uh, we should we I'm should have him on the show. I did see Hank. I did see Hank Azaria on the street the other day. I, I he lives in my uh, neighborhood. He's he's still hot. Jewish. He's Jewish. He, he right? is hot. He's Jewish. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say he is hot. Um, and Jewish. Yeah. Um, did you finish moving out of your apartment? I did. I did. Oh, I'm so happy. I've, I never have to walk up those five flights of stairs again. It was it was awful. It was really awful. The move was was rough. Um, mm. I did. I, I looked at my um my Apple thing and my phone. It said I did I did fifty four flights of stairs that day. What? Um yeah. And, wow. And then in the middle I had so this is this is funny. So in the middle of now I don't know if anybody's moved out before, but it's super stressful. You're you're sweaty. You're gross. You're like angry. You're eating like chips off the floor. It's you know it's it's a rough day. You're on the phone with like Con Ed and the movers, and and I'm like knee deep in like Serbian men who are just <laughs> in and out of my apartment. And uh, in the middle of this, I get a phone call uh, at like five, four p.m. from work, uh, and it says you're having dinner with your boss at six thirty. <gasps> oh, and because no. my boss is in town for just a whirlwind kind of twenty four hours, um, and the dinner is at the nicest restaurant i've ever been to in manhattan oh no and, and i've been to I've, I've been to some nice restaurants but this yeah. was at the 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 um, i think it's called the the fish and hunt club or the hunt and fish club um so in the middle of this madness i take a shower get dressed schlep a bunch of things to the office because i'm storing some stuff there run to meet my boss and just completely like turn on this yeah, like business. sitting at like yeah. a you know forty dollar per salad restaurant <laughs> and, and a funny thing. So <laughs> I want I don't know if this is a funny story, but I'm going to try to tell it anyway. But I walked in there, I was super rushing, and I had a bottle of a large bottle of Evian water that I took from the office because I would never because what Jew would buy a bottle of Evian water, right? Right. But I took it from the office. Naive spell backwards, yeah. Because. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> a Jew would also take it if it's free. So I took it from the office to drink it <laughs> and it was a half a bottle. And then I ran to like the restaurant and then the maitre d was like, Oh, let me take you to the table. Cause they're all already sitting there. And he's like, do you want me to take your bottle? And I looked at him and he looked at me and it was kind of like the, like a meme. And I was like, I, I like, I, I, I don't, but is he asking me because he should, because because you shouldn't I should, have it there. Because I shouldn't have it there, or is this like inappropriate? Because it's a really nice restaurant. So I give it to him, and then he looks confused, <laughs> and he's like, "Do you want me to throw it away?" Oh, and at that point, there was no way back because it was either throw it away or give it back to me, <laughs> or 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 I want this like four dollars worth of water for when I come back. <laughs> so I told him to throw it away, and I I, I thought about that the whole dinner. <laughs> Like what? What happened? Why did we like? What was the purpose of this exchange? Oh my god, that's. So, yeah, <laughs> Thank that's you for great. thinking this story is funny. No, it is funny. <laughs> but it was it was kind of like that Spider Man meme where the no, Spider Man totally. were looking at each other and pointing. I'm like, I'm like, is this weird that I'm here with this bottle? It's like, well, now I gave it to you. Now I just made it weirder. Yeah. No. Sometimes you just have those weird interactions and you can't stop thinking about it for the rest of the day. I mean, like, yeah. you can't. I yeah. know it's so true. Um, but. Did I you went, do anything for Rosh Hashanah? Not to uh, guilt you. I did. Oh, I, I sure did. Oh, I so saw pictures. Yeah, yeah, you did. I actually had, uh, well, the, the 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 Sunday night I had dinner at a friend's house, but Monday night, um, again, because what, what do you do two days before you move? You invite 40 <laughs> people to your apartment to eat nice. uh, honey and apples really and cheese. It was it was lovely. A lot of people showed up. Uh, a lot of uh, fifthdom uh, friends. That's so uh, nice. Friends, friends of the pod. Um, I could have been there. It was it was really really lovely, which we would have made had, the whole thing less fun because I would have been made it so complicated. Well, <laughs> we I had um we, um one of our one of our friends uh, and listeners Tzvi was there and he was the most Jewish person there oh. by default. So he um he, he did like, the blessings. Oh, that's good. Um, and it was nice. And then we went to uh, listen to some live music with our friend uh, our friend Coleman and Noam, who were both oh, on the show. That's nice. Um, who play in a band. Um, and this is this is what I love about New York is like you go on a Monday night to a, sh- a free show at a bar. It's not even like whatever. And, you know, this band is unbelievable, just phenomenal band. And this, you know, this woman comes up and sings a song or two with them, just a friend of theirs. And you're like, wow, this woman has a great voice. And somebody's like, yeah, she does backup for uh, Mick Jagger. 
Oh my god! And like really? that's amazing. And just like the random Monday night in New that's York so City. Cool. I know New York um, is cool. So okay, it's I'm glad. Lovely. So do you feel like renewed with the new year? You feel ready to conquer? I feel ready to pass out on a 12-hour flight to Israel, which is what I'm going to do tomorrow. Okay, Hopefully good. by the time this episode comes out. Um, That's right. Good. Yeah, good. I'll be there. Uh, inshallah. Awesome. God willing. Bezlat Hashem. Yes. So how was your Rosh Hashanah? Did you cook for 300 people? We did a lot of cooking, a lot of eating, a lot of praying. I actually like prayed a lot more than I usually do because mm-hmm. I- I'm going to use the word Davin. Sorry. I feel really weird saying. Did you pray, pray. for me? I did. Did you, did you put in a good I word did. for me? What'd you say? I thought a lot about our podcast. Did I you- prayed that people sign up to our Substack. I prayed that people like us on Apple Podcasts. Did, did, you, did you pray for a rise in anti-Semitism so we can go I- on the Megyn <laughs> Kelly show? Oh my God. Unfortunately, that <laughs> happened without my prayers. Um, no, but I, I uh, you know, it's weird because I have, as all of you know who listen, I have four kids. So for many years, uh, I had little kids over Rosh Hashanah and babies and little kids, toddlers. Um, mm. So I didn't spend a lot of time like in Shoal, in, in synagogue. Um, but my kids are all grown now. Uh, my youngest son actually turned. 13. So he's now officially a man, according to he is. Um, so they were we have all, a, big, a big bash coming up. Yeah. So, like, I was like the baby because, like, mm-hmm. I needed snacks during davening, but like, <laughs> there was no reason for me to have snacks because my kids are all grown. And so I was like starving and thirsty. And I'm like, this isn't even Yom Kippur. Why am I suffering during this service? But it was good. I did a lot of davening, like I said, praying. My dad, who's the rabbi, gave really good, meaningful speeches. Um, and I, what was really, and my husband's a cantor. I don't know if anybody knows that. He's oh, actually the chazan I, in our show. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, so he, he could go to the Miami Boys Choir. I know. He did a beautiful job. And for the first time, um, our oldest son actually um, was the chazan for part of the prayers also, which was beautiful Aww. and very meaningful. And he and my other sons all helped in different ways and participated. So it was really nice. Um, yeah, I don't know why we have to eat so much. Like it's, it was insane how much we ate also. I don't know. Yeah, it's, A this, this month is tough. I, yeah. I mean, just between all the holidays and the stress, it's tough for people who want to not, um, yeah, it's hard. But um, I really like the chauffeur blowing, I have to say. I don't know. A lot of our listeners probably did hear the chauffeur on, on Rosh Hashanah, and many of you probably didn't. Um, but I do have to say this year I felt very emotional listening to it. I don't know what it was, but I, I was very overcome with emotion just thinking about the world where we, you know, in which we find ourselves and... I just, I felt heavy. It was very, very heavy for me. And I was very emotional and... Like bad heavy? Like sad? Yeah, kind of. But like, I I don't want to say sad, but like just, I feel a weight on my shoulders. I don't know. uh, Of like responsibility to do more for the world, to do better, to do more for my family. I don't know. It was just like weighing on me, listening to the chauffeur. And my dad... I shared this story um, a couple times already. Can I tell a quick story that my dad told, which I thought was a really good, meaningful story? Well, this is your podcast. <laughs> oh, I mean, is it going to be better than the the Mayor D at the fancy restaurant who almost who took my I bottle forgot. of Evian? But I think it's an interesting <laughs> story. I mean, it will take a minute, but I'll I'll try to say it quickly. So, the um, just to give a little context for it, the chauffeur blowing happens like in the middle of the service. It's the highlight of the Rosh Hashanah service, and it's a very you know, like powerful sound and you're supposed to like, you know, repent when you're listening and give all your prayers at that time. Can we and include just, a YouTube in the Substack. Yeah, to, we uh, could of like a show. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. it's like a very, very powerful moment. So my dad told a story right before of um, the town called Helm. Do you know, have you ever heard of the mm. town? Called oh yeah. Helm yeah. Where Helm? everybody was dumb. Right. Right. So there's all this in Yiddish folklore, um, you often hear stories of this town, which is a real town, Chelm. Um, but the people in Chelm were actually smart and normal and regular, but it became known as the town where all the fools lived. And so he told a story about Chelm that, you know, and everybody there is dumb and foolish and morons, whatever. So what happens? They kind of like a West Village. To, there's, <laughs> I don't know why I said the West Village. 
So in the town of Chelm, they didn't know how to put out fires. And so every mm-hmm. time a fire would start, like the whole house would burn down. And okay. they, they got together a meeting and they were like, we have to do something about this. This is ridiculous. So they decided they're going to take a, a, a group of them are going to go to the city Lemberg because they heard that in Lemberg, they know how to put out fires. So mm-hmm. this group goes to Lemberg and they meet with the fire department in Lemberg, right? <laughs> and they are all these rabbis together and they're like, you know, we come from Chelm. We need to know how to put out fires. So the men from Lemberg are like, okay, the first thing you have to do is get a bell. Oh, a bell. That's so interesting. Why? So the men from Lemberg say, well, as soon as a fire starts, you start ringing the bell. Okay. That's a, that's what you have to do. Okay. Oh, okay. We never thought of this. What a great idea. Okay. So they go back to Helm. They convene a meeting and they're like, okay, we got the answer. We need to buy a bell. Oh, okay. The town buys a bell and they install the bell. So okay. the first fire breaks out and the whole town runs to the bell and they're ringing the bell and ringing the bell and ringing the bell and the fire's not going out. And they keep okay. ringing it and they keep ringing it and before they know it, the whole town burns down. Okay. So they go back to Lemberg and they're like, what the hell? Like you told us that if we get a bell, you know, and they were like, no, that's just part one. Part two is then you go and you get water and you put out the fire. Why didn't they say that before? They thought it was obvious. Okay. <laughs> so what's the moral of the story? The chauffeur what? is the bell, right? People okay. think, oh, I'm going to go to services on Rosh Hashanah. Here are the chauffeur, and then that's it. Then I go on to the rest of my life the next you know, minute. But okay. my father was saying, no, the chauffeur is only the beginning. Next is what you do after you hear the chauffeur. You can't just stand there and say like, oh, sorry, I'm giving a Rosh Hashanah speech right now. <laughs> German. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I've always wanted to be a rabbi and I'm not. So here I go. Here's my <laughs> chance. Um, no, the point is that the, the chauffeur is a bell, which is uh-huh. a, a warning sign. What we have to do is then pick up, pick ourselves up and do take care of business, right? But like, what's it warning us? What is it warning us of? To fix ourselves, fix the world. Like we have responsibility in the world. You can't just go through life, you know, worrying about yourself, taking care only, you know, only taking care of your physical pleasures, like eating and drinking and whatever else. Like there's more to us. Like God created us to make this world a holy place. And like there's so much going on around us. And and the truth is, every single one of us has an opportunity to do more. I mean, there's so many people suffering right now. Think about it. Even people we know. Who are you're, you're, you're guilting our poor listeners. I know. Well, that's what I'm here. It's the high holidays. This <laughs> is the season. Get on board, okay? This is okay. what Jews do. But well, like what's something point, you can do that's like small? Like call someone who's alone and like meet them for lunch. Or okay. just send a fun text or check in with someone or be a little nicer to someone in your family who maybe you've had a strained relationship with, or, I mean, there's a million things, you know, I think the easy thing that people think is nice is like, Oh, I gave a dollar at the checkout counter when I purchased my groceries. Like that's kind of BS. Like Mm -hmm. do something that actually is going to be meaningful to someone else. And then you just start slowly getting into the habit of doing that. I think it's really, really important. So okay, I apologize so. to everyone who was at Shul by the Shore for Rosh Hashanah because you heard that story twice now. But <laughs> Although I, just, I think your father probably told it better. Wow. Thanks, Yael. <laughs> That's really nice. No, because he's so good at this, not because oh. he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, you just it was a wake-up call that like I need to I need to get my business in order. Get your okay, but that's interesting because he said your business in order, but then the examples you gave were about being good to other people but do you also mean like like this is about like self-improvement too well i think self-improvement is part of it yeah for sure i mean how do, but like i think not everyone is going to agree with this but for me like the best self-improvement is helping other people or being you know like that makes me helps make me a better person i mean yeah i could okay. read a million self-help books about how to improve my life but I feel better when I'm doing something for other someone else. And I, I think see. that's something that we all need right now. Like okay. everybody needs to be back in community. Everybody needs friends. Everybody needs to feel that they're part of something. And the only way that's going to happen is if each one of us takes responsibility to make sure that happens. Because too many people are just sitting back. What if you're a very cynical person uh, asking for a friend, obviously? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you walk down the street and you're like, hey, I hate everybody. 
Like what, what recommendation would you have? For My recommendation like is because I don't think that, I mean, I hope you know that I'm very similar to that in many ways, but yeah. I feel like when you just do it anyway, it really works. Like, oh, no, no, it's true. It's put true. it aside. And no matter what you're thinking or feeling, the second that you're actually doing something good, you're going to feel great. And you push those thoughts away and, and you, st- and you genuinely enjoy what you're doing. Like so many times I like dread something. And then as it's happening, I'm like, oh, this isn't even so bad. This is great. Oh, of course. So well, it's okay. Wait, I have, I have a story too. And you tell me if this is a good example. If I did, okay. if I did it, if I did it, but I wasn't doing any, but it wasn't trying to be nice. I okay. was just, it was just nice. So last night, um, I, I said, I'm, I'm moving out of my apartment. And everything's crazy. And I stayed at a hotel, uh, which was really fun. And I was actually really looking forward to it uh, in Midtown Manhattan. And the hotel has a really, really nice bar. Um, and I had um, I, I managed to wrangle myself into free drinks, of course, oh, um, because they, they told me um, they were like, oh, you have a free drink at the bar per room. And I was like, is it, is it, uh, oh, you have a free drink at the bar. And, and then they asked me how many people in the room. And I said one. And so they wrote down one. And I'm like, wait a minute, are the free drinks per person? <laughs> and they're like, yes. And I'm like, oh, I just remembered uh, I have, we're two people in my room. Uh, so he gave me two drink tickets. Um, but that's yes, not the story. So you lied. Okay, go um, on. That's great. Good start. I lied, but it's for the greater good. <laughs> It, it, was, it was for the greater good for me to, to have more alcohol. Yes. Um, but I sat uh, at the bar and there was an older couple there uh, sitting next to me. They were like in their late 60s or an older uh, uh, black couple. And we started talking and we just ended up spending two hours together talking, wow. like ended with hugs. Aww. And it was just such a lovely evening. And they were telling me. So they did you know, a because no, they did it because I was alone. They were probably like, oh, this poor girl, <laughs> this poor girl all alone, all by herself. Um, no, but it was so story. lovely because, you know, when do, when do I ever get a chance to talk to a, right. a black 67 year old woman who was a public school teacher? Wow. About like ed- education and kids. And and we talked about like drugs and rap music and 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 uh, cancel culture. And wow racism it was so nice it was it was just such a lovely did you tell them about the podcast i didn't no (laughs) i didn't get to it i did tell them about um i did tell them about uh camille foster and um oh that's uh, the other guy who had a fight on twitter and then kind of turned it into a a podcast which i thought was nice but it it was just it's they were so lovely and it was just nice to remember that there are human beings in the world and people are our whole and you know, I didn't agree with them on everything and they didn't right. agree with me, I'm sure. And, but if, if I would have seen like, let's say one, let's take one thing that they, I disagreed with them on. If, if I would have seen that on Twitter, I would have been so annoyed. I'd be like, Oh, right. these people. And, right. but because you see like a whole picture of somebody, it's much easier to, to like them. So it was, it was very nice. That is, that is really true. It's it's interesting because one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is it's not it's like easier to worry or help strangers in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than like the people we know in our immediate circle who need us. Like that. And I think a lot of times I feel um stifled like by the idea. I have a such a deep sense of guilt over everyone that like I should be you know, helping more or doing more for, but I need to just get over it. Like I need to just do whatever I can every day, little bit at a time, try as best to reach out, be there um, as much as possible. I mean, it's, it's really, it it ends up helping me more than anyone. Like it, it ends up making me feel better and me being a better person. And I just, there's so much work to be done. And it really is too much suffering. It doesn't take much, and and you're absolutely right. I think it's much easier to be nice to strangers or to donate to Ukraine or yeah. whatever um, instead of like dealing with things in your own world. Or th- that's why I hate all this like you know like sy- symbolic kind of uh, I don't know what, what to call it. Like people saying things like you know be kind or yeah you know uh, we're it's inclusive okay. we're this and yeah. that. It's like it's it's so easy to say that, but like when it gets hard, that's when that, you know, that that's when you really need to do it. When, when it's being kind to the person who's obnoxious right. or when it's trying to be the bigger, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this is if I do it right, but 
it's like when somebody's pissing you off and you, you know, you decide to be the one to like rise above that. Like that shit is hard. Yeah. Or even the invisible people in our lives, you know, people that we work with or see all the time or relatives that we take for granted. Like there's just so many people that we kind of gloss over that could Mm -hmm. use a smile or a lunch or a coffee or a, you know, just a kind word. Or like um, a Substack subscription, you know, <laughs> if there's a podcast you enjoy. Uh, <laughs> oh my no, you're, god! Yeah, you're 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 right. Um, anyway, but Yom it's hard. Kippur. It's really freaking freaking hard. It um, is hard. Yom but- Kippur. I saw this is very uh, insensitive, but I saw a funny. So explain what tashlich is, and then I'll say the funny thing that I saw. Tashlich is yeah, when you throw bread into the water and the fish. Mm-hmm eat the bread and it's like symbolic of like throwing away your sins. Yeah. So I saw on, on Twitter during the storm in Florida, uh, somebody said in, in Florida, the Tashlich comes to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sad. Yeah. Today we're doing, I'm doing Tashlich today with my students. We do something called, I know some people are going to roll their eyes when they hear this, but it's actually a very nice program. Oh, is this a chicken thing? It's no, it's called reverse Tashlich. And so instead of just throwing your bread into the water, we clean up the beach so that we're like also taking away the sins, like oh, the that's nice. environmental sins. So we're doing that today. And that's a program that was started by a really incredible rabbi who I love, Rabbi Ed Rosenthal. Um, mm-hmm. And he uh, he started it and um, it's all over the country now. So we're doing it today. After we leave, at, yeah. Look at this. After I finish this. The environment. But, yeah, cleaning up the beach and uh but also throwing away our sins. And what about the chickens? Yeah, that's happening t- today. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a busy day. I'm it's gonna be day. so sin free tonight, like between Tashlech and the chickens, like it's gonna be incredible. Now when does it reset? Like when can you start sinning again? Like the day after Yom Kippur. The day after Yom Kippur. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, you're like forgiven for all your sins, and then no, start again. You, I want to be a little. I want to be practical about this Yom Kippur. Do you think? Um, do you think I will lose weight from yes. fasting for 25 hours? Yes, I always weigh myself right after. Yeah, but does it, but <laughs> but like I would like to kickstart a regiment. Oh, I wish. Do, I also say that every year, but then I don't. I really try to. I'm going to try again this year. But um, are you going to fast? I mean, not to put you on the yeah. spot. You do yeah, yeah. I, always, I always fast. I um, I'm, I mean, whatever. I'll just say what I do. You're gonna, you're gonna mock me and judge me, but only God can judge me. I'm not judging you. Um, I drink water, and I do things like I'll watch TV and stuff. Oh, okay. But I'm trying to be more like I try this every Yom Kippur, and I really can't. Like I want to be more mindful and present, and less like on my phone. Well, why don't you go to synagogue? I will, but I. I go with, usually with my parents now that, you know, we've never, ever gone to synagogue in our life. Right. But now the last few years, if I've been to Israel in Yom Kippur, like I'll walk around our neighborhood in Tel Aviv and there's like, we'll, we'll listen to the services. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know, Chayla, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's like watching a really boring TV show. Like I don't I understand. think you have to like start from and the I'm beginning. Like, and I'm like, oh, feel something. I'm like holding on to like, oh. I know. In a way, you have to like start from the beginning and sit there and sort of let it. It's like meditation. It kind of like yeah, 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 makes a wave over you. Like it's yeah. I mean, just for those who are interested, there are basically five or six things you're not allowed to do on Yom Kippur. Should I tell you what they are? Do you want to know? Let me guess. Can go. You can't eat eat. or drink. Is that one or two? No, that's two. Oh, okay. I don't know. But okay, drink, let's just say. You can't you can't drive, obviously. No, that's not even one of the ones that I'm thinking about. Oh, you can't. I mean, we, Yom Kippur is like Shabbat actually. So you do, we oh, don't do so any aside from the Shabbat things? Yeah, aside from Shabbat things. Ugh, I don't know. You can't I don't know wear a purple hat. There's always like <laughs> weird weird rules. <laughs> wow, you're so you're what so you close. Do? You're so what close. Can- <laughs> no, so okay, a couple things about Yom Kippur. No eating or drinking. We don't wear leather shoes. Okay, okay. that's like a big one. Um, we don't shower or bathe. Yeah. No makeup, no perfume, none of that. And everyone's um, gross and has bad breath. Whatever. 
we're mm-hmm. like angels. A lot of people wear white on Yom Kippur. It's not like a law, but like a lot of people wear white to be mm-hmm. like dressed like angels. Um, and there's no sex on Yom Kippur. Are you allowed to have sex on Shabbat? Of course. It's a what if you're What if you're working up a sweat? Is that like yeah, you're allowed effort? to have sex on Shabbat. Absolutely. Okay. Just you are <laughs> definitely not allowed to have sex on Yom Kippur. <laughs> yeah, so. I feel weird about having sex on Yom Kippur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, but okay, so for our non-Jewish listeners, what if if they want to like embrace the spirit of Yom Kippur, like obviously they won't fast, but like what's a what's a spiritual thing they can do? Um, this does not make you Jewish, by the way, so don't worry. I don't it. know. That's a really good question. I mean, it's 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 a day. It's a very very serious, solemn day. It's not a sad day, by the way. I always tell my oh, students it's like it's not a sad day sadness is a different feeling than like seriousness that's holocaust you know, memorial day you're thinking right of. or tisha B'av, the fast in the summer is a sad day morning oh, day like okay. actually morning yom kippur is a serious day where it's really a time to reflect on your life think about what's going on in the world think about what you need for the coming year think about what kind of person you were the year before pray and pray and pray for everything you need and want for yourself and your family. Um, and just, I, I don't know, like I, I, it's hard for me to explain when, because I, I, I grew up taking Yom Kippur so seriously. Like it's such a deep, meaningful day. It's not, I, I can't even imagine um, being any different. And and you know me, like I'm still funny. I mean, I still laugh on Yom Kippur, but like everything is is deep. Like I won't talk about dumb shit on Yom Kippur. I know that's weird. <laughs> like I'm just not going to talk about dumb stuff. Like I I do take the day to like and and by the way by day I mean the 25 hours, you know, from the night before till yeah, yeah, yeah. till sundown. Um and there's a lot of like little interesting things about it that I guess if you grow up really in tune to the religion, like it means a lot. So for example, um, the biggest prayer that a Jew says every day is the Shema. Okay. It's like Shema mm-hmm. Yisrael. You know that prayer, right? Yeah. Every, almost every, I know that prayer. Um, almost yeah. every Jew knows that prayer. And so there's a line afterwards that you say that you whisper. Okay. Baruch mm-hmm. shame. Do you know that? Like Baruch shame. No, but I know there is a weird part where people whisper. Yeah. So after the Shema, <laughs> you whisper that second verse. But okay. on Yom Kippur, we sing it really loud. Oh, it's really? Like the one day a year that you say it really loud, and it has to do again with like the concept of us being like the angels, and we're not like we're not almost. Wait, we're why do like you non-human on Yom Kippur? What? what? Why do you whisper it to begin with? It has to do. I'm not going to get into the whole explanation. But it has to do with the angels. <laughs> I didn't even know we believe in angels. We do believe in That's angels. Good to know. That's good to know. I but, like uh, angels. Yeah. So it's uh it's just interesting. Like it's those little tiny little details and rituals that make it so meaningful, you know? Do you know what uh Israeli kids do in Yom Kippur? I know they ride their bikes on they the ride their bikes. closed down highways. Yeah, it's the best day ever when you're a little kid. Yeah. Because Hasidic all kids the and, are we're like, no, we're in synagogue all day. But kids under 12 don't have to fast, right? No, no. But still, you're in shul. You're running around. You have your friends. Every mother packs their kids, you know, snack bags for the day. And everybody has all their nosh in shul. And everybody's running around. And it's just like a whole thing. Like That must be the worst part is having to feed your kids. Oh, my God. It's so hard. I had a baby. Like my son, David, who just turned 13, was born mm-hmm. four days. He was born on the 6th of Tishrei and Yom Kippur is the 10th. So he was born kind of four days before Yom Kippur. I fasted. Oh, I know. And uh, yeah, feeding the kids is annoying. It's really hard. Uh, but, what what do you, where, when are you the hungriest? Because for me, in the morning, for me, it's like up. in the afternoon for like lunchtime, but not like, and then I get over it like before yeah. the fast ends. Like I still, I'm still hungry, but like it's unbearable around like two or three p.m. I wake up starving. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up starving every day, and then I'm fine. Like it will go away. That passes. I get thirsty. I get a headache. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I mean, I'm okay. If I drink a lot of Gatorade the night day before, I'm usually fine. Do you try to sleep a lot? Uh, some years, like I had to sleep cause I got like a migraine or like a, my head's pounding. Mm. So I'll just try to sleep as much as possible. But I spend most of the day in shul and synagogue and I don't know, a little bit reading, a li- you know, just, I don't know. It, it goes you, fast. This is a weird question. 
do you and is it nice for you to be in synagogue during Yom Kippur or is it like just an adding to the torture of Yom Kippur? No, it's actually really nice and it really helps the day go by for me. Um, mm-hmm. It also like marks time in a way that like mm. is important because you know the more you have the morning service and then you have the the musaf service right and then you do like the whole um, during that period the, during musaf you do like the whole avoda which is the part of the it basically is describing what the high priest used to do in the temple on Yom Kippur. And it was Mm -hmm. like, it's really long, but it's super interesting and fascinating. Um, And you get through that. And then you have the afternoon service where you read the book of Jonah, which is my favorite book of the Torah. So I love that that part. The one about the whale. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that book. So they read that. And then like, before you know it, it's a closing service, which I I'm not going to lie. Like I cry every single year. Like it just really? so, oh my gosh, at the end, end, end of Yom Kippur, the last five minutes, there's a part where the whole congregation together does these like repetitive sentences. Mm-hmm. Like they do Shema and then they, they do um, Baruch Shem and then they do seven times they yell out, Hashem who came like God is our God or whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it in English, but um, <laughs> everybody does it together. And you look around, the room is packed. Everybody's like at the end of the fast. And there's such a sense of like, I don't know, holiness and community in the room. I just, I cry every single year. Mm. And then, then it's over. So I don't know. I like is being it, there. Do you, is it so emotional because you know also all these people and it's like, your community or if you were like stuck in no i you know like copenhagen at a synagogue oh i think i would cry harder it's the fact that jews all over the world after everything we've been through after every form of oppression after every attempted annihilation that we still show up on yom kippur and we still ask god for forgiveness and we still cry and like i just that whole feeling is so overwhelming to me. And then like mm-hmm. looking at my kids being, you know, the next link in that chain. And like, I just, I don't know, it overwhelms me. And I don't get emotional a lot, but that that really does it for me. I'm kind of jealous. I, I wish I got um, emotional instead of just being hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm also hungry and thirsty. I don't want to make it sound like I'm some, you know, supernatural person, but... I have like I live with the tension of both. I'm like annoyed about being hungry. Yeah, um, but it's like I'm living also... with the tension of like hating people, but also wanting to be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Something exactly. I can I can relate to very much. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's so it's interesting. Okay, so so if our if our non Jewish listeners or non observant listeners want to do something Yom Kippur, they can maybe uh, call a friend or be like nice to somebody. Yeah. By the way, you can watch tons of services online. Um, there's a prayer. We open up Yom Kippur with a prayer called Kol Nidre. Yeah, it's actually a lovely prayer. It's I know, so I know that. And it mm-hmm. basically is about um, nullifying all your your uh, um, promises, like your the things you swore over the year. It nullifies all of them. It's interesting. If you want to read more about it, you can. But um, you can watch like all these big cantors and like the big synagogues around the world doing Kol Nidre, and it's mm-hmm. it's quite it's is. It's nice. Yeah, I it's did that in the in the first uh, Yom Kippur COVID, first COVID yeah. Yom Kippur. I watched, I streamed the services uh, from the synagogue, which I don't, you know, I, I don't go to synagogue here. I don't like, I don't know anybody, and also I don't want to pay um, because they charge to go Chabad to Chabad is free, free. Go to Chabad. Chabad is free. Um, but but yeah, so I wouldn't go to synagogue. So it was actually kind of fun. I mean, not not fun, but it was like. Yeah. It was interesting that I got to go, quote unquote, by watching it, which is something I wouldn't do um, right. because of COVID because I just wanted. And then I always break the, f- I don't know how you break the fast, but I always break the fast with honey cake and tea, which are yeah. two things I never put in my <laughs> mouth. Like not, I don't have a problem with them, but they're not in my like repertoire. That's funny. But yeah. I always drink tea and eat a bit, a piece of honey cake. I always have a coffee and some kind of cake or fruit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I eat a meal. But there's a, the thing is also, I'll just end with this because I feel like I talked about Yom Kippur too much. <laughs> this but, is the Yom Kippur uh, <laughs> uh, special. Yom Kippur extravaganza. The last thing I'll say about it is that um, the uh, there's a prayer called Unisana Tokef, uh, which is a beautiful prayer. But the second paragraph of it 
basically says um, on Yom Kippur, it's decided who will live and who will die this year and how you will die, you know, who by fire, who by water, who by, and there's a song, I think by Leonard Cohen, who like kind of does a play on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like who by, um, uh, who by um, plague and who, and you just read through that and it can't, you can't help but get chills. Like it's true. No matter what, like people are going to die this year. People that we know um, all of us, you know, have an expiration date. And I think just like reading through that prayer every year, it just, it's, it, it really grounds you in realizing that every day is precious. We have no idea what's going to be. And I know it's a cliche, but mm-hmm. on Yom Kippur, you really like feel it, you know, you can yeah. say it as much as you want every day, but you feel it when you're saying that knowing like who's not around, like who's not here this Yom Kippur, like they're, they're gone, you know? Um, you think about yeah. the people in Florida who by flood, you know, who by fire, yeah. it's, it's sad. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that in the Florida sense. Yeah. 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 It is sad. And we're very, 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 very lucky. I think Ugh, we're so lucky. I was, um, back to the, the, the people I was talking to yesterday and this woman who was a public school teacher and she was telling me about some of her kids, like terrible stories about kids who like, who found their parents shot in the head and, <sighs> And, uh, and, you know, I asked her like w- what she thinks is the most important thing for the, for kids who are growing up in tough circumstances. And she said like, you know, you need somebody to believe in you. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, having parents that are, are, or even if you don't have, you know, parents or immediate family, but even if you have friends or people who support you, who, who believe in you, who, you know, think you're great. Um, I think it's, it's, you're already incredibly fortunate. How did we get, how did we become so like, (laughs) I feel like I'm like waking up from a dream. I was just going to say, (laughs) I was at the store. Let me tell you a real, okay. On Let me Friday, quick talk about some this, hot men. This is Sunday morning. We're recording this. Okay. So Friday morning, I go to the store, the kosher store. Now mm-hmm. you have to understand what it's like in the kosher stores right now in between all these holidays that we have and yeah. all the bots. It is insane. Okay. It's like Everything, when you see videos of refugees at UN camps <laughs> trying to like fight over a bag of rice. Oh my God. It's like it, that. It's, it's, it's insane. So I go mm-hmm. there with my sister who's already like in a mood because outside the store, I ran into a friend that ended up talking for a long time. And she's just like Goldie. Your Wonka awesome sister who <laughs> it was her birthday too. So happy birthday. Her birthday. Anyway, so we get inside and you can't move your cart. You can't move your body. There's nowhere to go. The aisles are blocked. <laughs> so you, everyone's like parking their carts Oh, in different places and like running around and grabbing things. Literally, that's what it's like. And yeah. I run into this woman who I'm not going to say who she is, but she is an incredible woman who like does public speaking because she's had extreme, extreme um, tr- like sadness in her life. I mean, like mm-hmm. horrible, like really sad, sad, sad life. And she does all this incredible speaking around about like how to get over grief and all this kind of stuff. So I see her and I'm like in a in a really harried state and I'm like really annoyed and I'm so stressed out. And so I say to her kind of like, I don't know how you describe it, but like, you know, just sort of a throwaway line. I'm like, Oh, I wish you could write a lecture about, you know, being Zen while shopping for the holidays. Like as (laughs) I thought, haha, how funny, right? Like she turns around and she goes, it's about gratitude. She's like, do you have two feet? Are you walking around the store? Do you see there's food on the shelves? Do we have a store that we can drive to in a car and be able to buy the food? <laughs> Look at the abundance that we have here. Look at all the choices that we have. Oh my it's God. Gratitude. And I'm just like, listen, oh my God. I'm listen, so lady. sorry for being an asshole right now. No, no, I want to here, here's here's my here's my self-help TED talk. Listen, lady. <laughs> no, but she was right. <laughs> She was right, but sometimes you also need to like laugh. Um, you know, it, and it doesn't always work. Like you know, when you're when you're a kid and your parents give you something to eat and you don't want to eat it, and they say there are kids starving in Africa. No kid is going to be like, oh, okay, I really appreciate my life now. I think it's only things that happen once you get older and you do see, you know, kids starving in Africa or people getting sick and they, you become more yeah appreciative. But I mean. It's not like everything is the Holocaust, but some things like going to the kosher supermarket are a little <laughs> bit Holocausty. <laughs> I mean, this place is like the opposite of the Holocaust. I mean, because there I'm paying seventeen ninety nine. I mean, and I'm paying like seventeen ninety nine for like a half a pound of 
orange chicken that's ready made and prepared. And I'm like fighting <laughs> with seven people in line to grab worst, my worst nightmare. It's it's a nightmare. <laughs> Literally, there were two California rolls left, like in the sushi fridge and i like lunged at it while another woman like grabbed them and i'm like no please my kids only eat california rolls like well so do mine and just like stomped off with them and i was like oh my god i'm left with like you know spicy tuna whatever and there i am like upset i mean upset that there's no sushi for my kids your grandmother in auschwitz would have would have eaten the spicy tuna roll no she wouldn't my grandparents hated sushi and thought it was the biggest scam (laughs) <laughs> They're like so little food for so much money. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> they were so upset. They're not wrong. It's delicious. Okay, wait, before we go, uh, before we go, before we go, um, can we just talk real quick about Berkeley? Uh, 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 Berkeley. So I, I guess and I'm probably not doing justice to the story, but a few student organizations in Berkeley uh, the bastion of um, at of the law school, few law, law clubs, clubs yeah. um, decided that um, I guess you need to take a pledge or something. <laughs> you need to like burn an effigy of David Ben Gurion, um, but, but basically decided that you know you have to be. Am I saying am, am I reading the story? I, I guess I should have read the story before <laughs> I tried to talk about it. But you've been outraged for days, but you just don't know what it's about. Yeah, but it's it's something about. Um, not being a, like uh, being an anti-Zionist, yeah. Like you can't, so yeah, I have to take a pledge or in something. In a nutshell, like yeah. nine law group, like student groups in the Berkeley Law School, passed this like I don't know resolution or whatever, or took a pledge that they were not going to hire um, speakers who were pro-Israel or Zionist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, just to put it into context, like there are hundreds law, they're like, I don't know how many student groups at Berkeley. So it's only nine of them, not to minimize it, but it's not like the whole Berkeley took this on. Um, there's mm-hmm. pl- like, I just want to make that clear because I know it's what happened is horrible and it's disgusting. And I just like, it's enraging. Um, but there's a very robust Jewish life at Berkeley and Jewish students shouldn't be worried about going there. Um, there's a amazing Chabad, amazing Hillel. There's anti-Semitism training. Like there's so much going on. Is it training um, on how to be an anti-Semite? <laughs> anti-Semitism training. But the, the reality is, is that these kids in these, in this law school, I mean, which is a shame because are, these are going to be, future lawyers and probably politicians and judges are so misguided about the reality of what's going on in the Middle East that they make stupid choices and quite frankly are anti-Semites. I mean, that's just the reality there. It's nothing less than anti-Semitic. So, so here's, here's what I wanted to talk about in this, in this case. And you know, I, I'm sickened by this and, and I think that people who are anti-Israel are, are just factually incorrect. Like right. you don't need to all like be huge Zionists, but I think ninety nine percent of the time, if you break it down, these people just don't know what they're talking about, and they have right. the, the the facts wrong. But it, I, I'm sorry to be nitpicky, but I don't like it when Twitter and everything fills up with like anti semitism, anti semitism at Berkeley, and right. I'll tell you why I don't like it. I don't want to give these people. I don't want to let them off the hook. By ex- by giving them the excuse of doing something out of hatred of Jews, like I, I think that's letting them off the hook for their bad ideas. It's well, almost saying like they don't know better. They're idiots. They're anti semites. I I think you can make the whole case for why this is a terrible, stupid, hateful thing to do without even referring to the Jewish religion. Does that make any sense? Yes, I, I hear that. And a lot of people feel that way. But I, mm-hmm. I, I, the reason I'll push back on you is because if these groups were doing it, by the way, if this was a, a speech issue, I would obviously be in a different, like that's a different issue. Like whether or not clubs should have the right. Yeah, and the clubs know, can invite whoever decide, the fuck they, they want. That's fine. You know, care, you know yeah, I believe, I'm a free speech absolutist, so whatever. But I, the reason I push back on you on that is because if these clubs were doing it because they care so much about Palestinian lives or Muslim lives, you know, that would be one thing because that means mm-hmm. that they would probably, you know, bar any Chinese speakers or any, mm. uh, you know, other like kind of speakers where Muslims are suffering, which is many places around the world. Right. Yeah. But the fact that they only 
to the exclusion of all others, call out the Jewish state and Zionism, mm-hmm. that to me is anti-Semitic. Like that is yeah. inherently anti-Semitic. It's not about okay. the state of Israel. This is about so Jewish me... people having a homeland in their in their indigenous homeland. Okay, mm-hmm. and the and these groups picking on the one Jewish state and not caring about facts. It's not like these groups are sitting down and doing deep understanding and learning about what's going on and understanding the Palestinian perspective and understanding all the players in the Middle East. Like, I I just, I have no tolerance for it because they, it's a one trick pony for them. I don't know if that's the right saying, but it's it's all about being anti-Israel. It's not about being pro-Palestinian. Okay, let me modify that. Tolerance. Let me modify that because you're, you're, you know, I'm, I'm, I accept what you're saying. I think the result of it is is anti-Semitic, perhaps like the result of it and excluding only Israel and, and not, you know, China or Iran or whatever. Okay. Um, but I think the cause of it isn't anti-Semitism. I don't think like somebody like like AOC I don't think she hates Jews. I think she'd probably go to a Shabbat dinner and feel like, oh, this is so cool. I love your culture. I love this. But I think she is, I think it, they're dumb more than they're hateful. That's fine. But I, I, I agree. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that, you know, and I'm not doing it because to protect them. I'm doing it. Semitism used to be about religion, right? In the mm-hmm. Middle Ages, right? When it was like Christianity hating Jews and Islam hating Jews. Like it was about religion. Then it became about the so-called race, right? Mm-hmm. After the scientific revolution and the reformation and all that it became about the Jews being a different race in Europe. Yeah, now yeah. it's about Israel. Like they've just yeah. replaced what that thing is. And I just, we have to be realistic. I mean, it's not, The fact that they're going to exclude people at Berkeley has nothing to do with Israel as a country. It has everything to do with the Jewish people having a a homeland that they can now point and and bother and 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 exclude the same way they excluded Jews in Eastern Europe and in the and all throughout history. I mean, it's yeah, it's I wish people fighting it. I wish people fighting it would focus more on why the ideas are wrong and why. That's true. Uh, the, the idea of apartheid is completely misguided. I mean, they just today arrested six uh, ISIS operatives in Israel with Israeli passports. Right. These are is these are Israelis, okay, of of Palestinian descent, um, who had joined ISIS and were planning to attack a. I think they were even planning to attack a, a church in um, in Israel. Yeah. Um, like it, it's so freaking stupid to talk about talk out of your ass about like apartheid and genocide and all these words that are absolutely meaningless and i i think once we say like oh you're just an anti-semite it kind of like it 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 gives them an excuse to say uh, you know well i'm not right like if you tell them you hate jews they'll tell you i don't hate jews no instead i want to like hammer down and tell you why you're wrong and make you feel foolish yeah, I mean, listen, I, I wish I could sit down with everyone and give them the whole history of the region and and explain apartheid and what it actually means and why it's a stupid thing to say about Israel and it's clearly not that. I mean, I, I wish I could have nuanced conversations with the with these groups, but we can't. They're no, not willing no. to. Rashida Tlaib or whatever is not willing to sit down and have a conversation. So so instead, we you know, this is how it works. And like I I hate using anti-Semitism for everything. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want it. You're right. Like we need to be careful when we say things are anti-Semitic and when they're not. But yeah, it's like when people say things are racist that aren't yeah, racist. Yeah, I, 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 mean, like, I hate that. Right. So, mm-hmm. but but in this case, when they're specifically excluding um, Zionists, I mean, what does that mean? Like that that's Jews. Most Jews identify as Zionists. The vast majority of Jews identify mm-hmm. as Zionists, whether you're liberal or conservative, it doesn't matter. Most Jews v- very much identify uh, with Israel and with the Zionism. And so the fact By the way, that they would hot, say that is... Hot take. I think most Americans identify as Zionists. They just don't know it, or maybe they, yeah. they don't use that word because I think that word means pro-Israel, pro-Netanyahu, pro-whatever <laughs> right. right wing, when in reality, all it means is you believe in Israel's right to exist. There is a country there exactly. right now, whether you like it or not, do you think it should be destroyed, taken, you know, or do you think it has a right to exist? If you do, guess what? You're a Zionist. We right. can talk about giving land for peace and, and doing all these different things, but 
it, it's just about the the right of of existence, which I think is not a you know it's not a lot to ask for. <laughs> it's not a lot. It's really not a lot. <laughs> just accept our right to I, exist. I did it just to, just to be you know just to throw another flame into this, but. Um, I did a little reconnaissance and I was looking at some of the student groups at Berkeley and like on my own campus and stuff who are, you know, considered either Muslim groups or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. that kind of leading groups. And uh, none of them said anything about what's going on in Iran. Like nothing. Oh, of course not. And so it's like, okay, you're you're so pro-Palestinian that you will fight every Jew in America but you will say nothing for your for the you know other Muslims who are suffering in other squad, ways. Did the squad say anything about it yet? I have not seen a single thing from them. I don't know, yeah. but I haven't looked in the last few days. But when I did look, they had not. I don't know. Yeah, you could look up Rashida well, Tlaib. Yeah, they care a lot about women and um, freedom and um, misogyny, patriarchy, all these things, right? That's yeah, all the things they care about. Right, but. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at them in a few days. I'm looking right now. Yeah, I'm looking at Rashida Tlaib right now. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Oh, she did tweet about um, somebody who uh, was uh, fired for saying something about Israel, but that's a whole other story. <sighs> she did. Um, uh, let's see. She's she's been tweeting a lot about Israel, obviously. Bernie Sanders. I'm looking at Elon Omar's. Uh, no. Oh, she did tweet solidarity for. She tweeted one solidarity for the courageous woman and allies in Iran. Um, mm. I'm looking at Elon the right Omar. to choose belongs to all of us, from hijabs to reproductive care. Gotta gotta throw that in there. Oh, in the same tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same same thing, right? You would think they'd be out there, like I don't know. I, I yeah, it's it's hard to take them seriously if you say you claim to care about women and you came to claim to care about freedom. There are people protesting in this country, in America. There are Iranians protesting. Go, yeah. go, stand with them. Right, exactly. Um, Elon Omar, I don't see anything, so I don't know. She hasn't said anything. Mm. And like, it's interesting because oh, she does have something here about Israel. Yeah, of course. Yeah, two days ago. Well, that's that's where the real injustice is. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. The whole thing in Iran is interesting because I, I mean it's not it, it's it's such a no brainer to me as someone who covers her hair. Like I cover my hair all the time. Yeah. So I, I, I but I choose to. Yeah. <laughs> but like I choose to do that, and no one forces me to do that, and no one should ever be forced to do that. And it's disgraceful what's going on with the government there. Disgraceful, and the poor women. Yeah. Well, nothing. Elon Omar, nothing. I'm back already three days. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe uh, it's unbelievable. Well, I'll, I'll try to end on an optimistic note that um, I, I think that it, it's it's a good sign for our world that there are women and men um, in Iran and in, you know, in China um, and in Russia who are, you know, just want the the freedom to do what they want be themselves and telling their government that whether they're successful or not yeah so see how i was trying to tie it into something nice it was really hard <laughs> it was really hard okay quickly before we go any good books or movies to recommend oh uh books or movies to recommend for for yom kippur or well, in general no just in general on yom kippur, um, something like meaningful I just read a, well, it, it is meaningful. I just read a wonderful book about uh, Russian media that Eli Lake recommended called um, Everything is True and, no, no. What's it called? Everything is Possible and Nothing is True or something like oh, that. <laughs> sure. I, that sounds good. But it's about the Russian uh, Russian media, Russian state of affairs um, and TV movies. I don't know. I watched um, the uh, movie Blonde by Marilyn Monroe. Um, oh, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Like not not even movie, <laughs> just like the worst sight wow. I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was it was it was really? very awful. She has a weird accent, um, and it was just very strange. There are a lot of like penises in there. So if you're what? not into that, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I would not recommend that. And the book uh, is called "Nothing Is True and Everything Is Possible." 
That's and it's good. about the Russian media. And it, it's very interesting. It's about a guy, a British Russian guy who worked in media in Russia. Huh. And talks okay. it's like about cool. propaganda and stuff. Uh, what about you? Um, I watched, what did I watch? That Crawdad movie where the Crawdad sing? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was good. I liked it. Okay. I enjoyed it. And um, I'm reading, I'm, I'm always in the middle of like 20 books, but I'm in the middle of reading a bunch of different ones. But I started um, D- David Ben-Gurion's uh, biography, which I'm really enjoying. So, um, Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. Also, I, I want to recommend, this is very niche, but if you're, if you have Hulu, um, I, um, there's a great show called uh, uh rehearsals not to be confused with the rehearsal which is a show that everybody's talking about right now but there's a great israeli show called rehearsals oh. it's really really funny it's a little oh, raunchy really? um oh, but it's on hulu now with uh subtitles so if you oh, want nice. it, if you like israeli uh tv um it's it's great it's a great oh, show cool. it's about um i'll tell you the premise it just it's about a couple um um that's a playwright and a director and they pitch uh, a play about their relationship to the theater. Um, and I won't tell you more. But also the um, the writer, uh, the, 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 the people who act in it, it's also like their story. So they were, all, they were a couple and they wrote oh, um, this TV show. Anyway, yeah, it's fun. Okay. Well, have Highly an easy recommend. fast. Have a safe trip. Thank you. You too. Uh, we're going on a little break, so you'll see us after in the new uh, 1570, 79, whatever the year is. Um, 50, it's already 5783, but we're going to take a week off. And, yeah. um, I'll be, next time we record, I'll be in Israel. Um, and, uh, you know. Maybe keep, you can uh, get like Bibi on or, or maybe yeah. the new prime minister. Well, whoever the new prime minister will be. That's I'm right. going to vote. So if you want to influence my vote, um email us at askajewpod at gmail.com. You should vote for Ben Gvir. For, for Ben Gvir? No fucking way. <laughs> um, and yeah. um, maybe this is a little teaser because it's not, uh, you know, it's not not public yet, but I think I'll be, um, I'll have some friends over uh, in Israel. That's uh, exciting. With me. So that should be really fun. And maybe we can uh, um, shoot uh, one of them with a tranquilizer dart and, uh, <laughs> Have them come on the show. It's a good idea. <laughs> Give them some all Iraq right. and some Iraq, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye.